Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the In the Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and in today's episode, I want to talk about burnout. Now, I have been hearing a lot about burnout over the last, you know, few months throughout the whole pandemic, really on and off. But lately, I've been hearing a lot about burnout in many different capacities, and I wanted to talk through like what burnout actually looks like in some tools and maybe tricks and tips that you can take away to help you spot burnout and things that you can do to take care of yourself so that you don't reach that point of burning out and feeling like you are riddled with anxiety and stress and depression. So today's episode I think is going to be an interesting one and I hope it's helpful to you. And before we get started, if you like the show, wherever you're listening to this podcast from, if you don't mind giving it a thumbs up and leaving a comment, give me some feedback. Let me know how things are going. If you have any suggestions on future topics, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear from the community. Also, don't forget to check out Leaders Chat um, on Twitter every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, where we talk about a lot of these topics in more depth with the great community of folks. Um, we brought Stephen on. We've had uh, Scott on as well, who are active members in the community where we have this discussion every Wednesday evening at five o'clock. So would love to see you there and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, today's episode is all about burnout. And I know that a lot of us are feeling this right now. If we were online, you'd probably say hashtag preach, right? Because I feel like with everything going on and just the roller coaster of emotions that we've been all experiencing in our everyday lives have just taken a toll on people. And at least for myself, I can say, I think the hardest thing I've had to adjust and get used to with the pandemic and just everything that's gone on in the last two years is just being flexible, knowing that things are not permanent and you can't really have a ton of expectations for far into the future. So I know that I've rescheduled travel plans probably three or four times, um, hoping that you know I would get to travel and that things would get better, but they haven't. So just going through things like that or like, you know, planning work meetings or planning just things in your everyday life, going out to dinner with friends. So it's been a challenge to have to constantly readjust and not think too far ahead because really we don't have a lot of clarity what three, six, 12 months looks like. So it's actually ironic as I, you know, reflect on this and think about it because I mean, that's really life, right? In general, nothing is permanent. And at some point, I think we fell into this fantasy or maybe this delusion in some way that things were perfect and things were permanent and we can predict, oh, next month I'm going to celebrate my birthday and I'm going to get on an airplane and I'm going to fly somewhere and have a nice trip and not think twice about it. Or, you know, I'm unhappy in my job and I could, you know, just start interviewing for new jobs and just pivot and not even think twice about any of the ramifications. But now I think it's giving us 
that moment to pause. And I think it's actually a really, really good thing. So before we get into some of the different stages of burnout, I think one of the things as I reflect on the last couple of years, the thing that I've had to learn the most is that I have to embrace the pause more often. And that is across all my life, whether it's personal life or work life, taking more of those pauses and really understanding myself has been a blessing um, throughout all of this chaos because I've noticed as I can take more pauses and take more longer pauses, I'm able to do more reflecting and processing in the moment instead of waiting to the point maybe where I am just completely burned out or where I'm starting to think like, oh, hey, things are getting better and then only to realize that they're not. So for me, I think just right off the bat, one of the things that I learned through this as you know, I've definitely felt burnt out in my career is that the more I can take some of those intentional pauses and spend some time reflecting and processing, it allows me to really stay in tune with my body, my mental health, um, my environment around me, and help me do things that support myself towards not becoming burned out. So yeah, it's a process and it's a journey. And I know it's a lot easier said than done. It's something I have to work on constantly, but I feel like just at a broad level and at the crux of it for me around burnout is just how can we all take more time to pause and more time to just kind of process. Um, so anyway, I wanted to get into the five stages of burnout and I'm going to link this article in the show notes, but I stumbled upon this article. It's, um, on the website, this is calmer.com, but as I've always thought of burnout and I saw this article, I thought it, it really resonated with kind of how I felt and kind of how I've seen kind of the burnout spectrum. So I wanted to review that article today and I'd be curious, like, does this resonate with you? Does this make sense? Um, again, let me know if, you know, send me a message. You can connect with me through my website, coachwithinsight.com, or you can leave feedback on the show notes um, because this really, really resonated with me. So in this article, they're saying there's basically five different stages of burnout. And in my opinion, the sooner, like in the earlier stages, we can identify when we're starting to approach that burnout, then we can start taking more of those pauses and making different choices that maybe prevents us from reaching burnout, but also supports us in just living more fulfilled, um, active lifestyles where we feel like we're in tune. So in this article, they talk about phase number one being the honeymoon phase. This is when we undertake a new task. We often start by experiencing high job satisfaction, commitment, energy, and creativity. In this first phase of burnout, you may begin to experience predicted stresses of um, the initiative or the project that you're undertaking. So it's important to start implementing positive coping strategies, such as taking practical steps to support your well-being along with your personal venture. So the honeymoon phase they're talking about here is like when you're starting a new job, let's say, and you're really excited and you have all of your creativity going and then things start to, you know, get difficult. You have a lot of pressure, you have a lot of initiatives that you're maybe overseeing and they just, things start to burn up, um, start, start to build up. So that is when it's usually a good time when you start to initially feel that burnout to kind of notice it and say, okay, what am I observing? What am I noticing? 
and just keep track of that. So in this honeymoon phase, they say the common symptoms are they're heavily committed to the job at hand, compulsion to prove oneself. They have free-flowing productivity, high productivity levels, unbridled optimism, sustained energy level. So again, this is like in the very, very beginning of anytime you're starting something new and you're really excited. It goes into phase number two, is which is on the onset of stress. So one thing I would note in between these two different phases is start to notice, like I notice with myself when I get really excited about something and I'm doing something new, I can be really amped and I could spend 12 hours straight working on this project because I feel really excited about it. And I don't really pay attention to, hey, do I need breaks? Hey, is this good even just for my eyes and for my brain? Do I need to maybe get up, go for a walk, maybe chunk this down? Because am I as effective in hour 11 or 12 as I was in one or two, right? Do I need to put some boundaries up? So I think alongside of that first stage is also just recognizing that there's two sides to every coin. Yes, you're very optimistic and you have a lot of energy, but what are you also depleting at the same time? Because that flows nicely into phase two, which is the onset of the stress. So second stage of burnout begins with an awareness of some days being more difficult than others. So you may have some really, really great days, followed by maybe a couple of not so great days where you're not feeling well and you're drained and you're tired. You may find your optimism starts to wane as well as noticing common stress symptoms that start to affect you, right? Like anxiety, fatigue, forgetfulness, general neglect of your own personal needs, um, grinding your teeth at night, which is definitely something I suffer from, um, lower productivity, but you just start to notice like this starts to creep up. And this, if you don't catch it in phase one, this would be the opportunity to prevent yourself from being absolutely burned out is to start noticing these things. And that's why in one of my earlier podcasts, I talked about how I have this almost daily intention where I just notice things. So I'll take maybe 10, 15 minutes chunks out of my day, maybe once every couple of hours, just to notice, just to kind of do a scan of my body, say, how am I feeling? Do I feel tired? Do I have energy? What Am I hungry? Like just really kind of checking in kind of, and I also do it a little bit deeper. So I do a lot of like um, mental health work as well with that, but just checking in, seeing how I'm feeling overall. And if you start to notice these things like fatigue or headaches or um, lower productivity, you can start making different choices because I feel like a lot of us, um, I know I've been guilty of this in the past where I kind of brush these things off like, oh yeah, I'm anxious or, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm not really satisfied at the moment in my job, but you know, I get some value out of it. I'm irritable. Maybe your sleep is being impacted, but we tend to brush this off. Um, some of the, the symptoms that start to boil up to the surface and, to, and we brush it off until it becomes a huge pain, right? Until something is actually standing in your way from getting something done, or you're just so crippled with anxiety that you can't even function. So I think it's really important to identify in the second stage, what are some of these little things that you're noticing? Because if you can handle those little things that you're noticing in the moment, you'll notice that you're able to cope with all of the things that are coming and it doesn't feel like this really heavy weight. And so, so stage number three talks about chronic stress. So this is when I say we kind of move from like 
Yeah, I have this, you know, maybe a little pain in my side. To, oh, now my back, I like can't stand up straight, right? Like it's so bad that I'm literally crippled. So chronic stress can manifest in many ways. So a lot of times we notice the things in our bodies, right? Like maybe I have an actual physical illness or um, I have, like I said, I can't stand up because my back is so crippled. But there's a lot of subtle nuances that I would encourage you to to really start paying attention to because you'll notice that other things like your mental health will start to wane, maybe more so than before. Maybe then I'm not just stressed, but now I'm just stressed and I've added a ton of stories on top of that being things like, uh, I'm not worthy, right? Like I, I'm always so stressed. I feel like I can't get out of this and I'm really anxious and it it's something that I hate and I just want to fix it, right? Like those very rigid, solid, strong feelings and attachments to these perceived negative stress behaviors are things that you really, really, really have to be mindful of. And, you know, a lot of times these things can be sneaky. I've noticed with myself that like these parts of me that get really stressed and really um, agitated tend to almost make stories up about why it's good for me. And I'll give you a great example, actually. So I have this one part of me that is, uh, I guess you would call it like an inner critic or a really strong judge. So I have this really strong judge part of me that is always looking for ways to criticize me. I'm sure many of us have this, this part of us, but mine is very, very strong. And it's always alert and tuned in to what can I analyze and then create some kind of judgment around so that I can protect you and keep you safe. It literally tells me stories like that. And when I hear myself and I hear kind of the dialogue going on in my head, I think, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. So one of the lies that, you know, I sometimes fall victim to is, let's say, around this podcast. I used to tell myself, Jen, you should listen to all of your podcasts and scrutinize and analyze it and figure out, like, what can you do differently? What, you know, maybe you could change in your voice or your tone, um, and I would do that. But then I would find at the end, I would just feel really bad about myself. And it turned into the story of like, oh my gosh, I'm like a terrible, like, this is horrible. Like I should just delete all of these and I should just stop what I'm doing. And then I started noticing, I was like, well, wait a second. But then I have this other kind of part of me that's like, no, this is for your own good. Like you, you need to do this. And it, it actually stopped me noticing in that moment, kind of the internal dialogue that was happening and how it was trying really hard to convince me that I needed to do this. And um, one of my coaching buddies actually spoke to her not long after this event had happened and she had given me some great advice. She had said, you know, I'm a painter and I have a rule for myself that I spend, you know, two hours painting and I put all of my energy into it and I'm flowing and I'm just doing my thing and then I'm done. And then I walk away and I leave it. I don't come back to it, you know, 10 minutes later and say, oh, I'm going to fix this. And I'm going to, I just let it be. And I don't know why that was something that's just really stuck with me. It's like, what are we doing to ourselves on a daily basis? Just by tuning into this dialogue that we all have, like, how is that maybe even in covert ways trying to pull you into some of these um, more negative thought patterns that... I believe in all reality, like what's happening is, is that some kind of form of protection because I feel like that part of me obviously thinks like that inner critic thinks like 
if I can help you understand like where your flaws are and what you're you're doing wrong, you can fix them and then you won't, you know, I don't know, be embarrassed or ashamed or guilt feel guilty about something. You'll feel really secure. So I mean, it sounds really good and I think it that part of me really believes that that is it's doing me a service. But when I've had to stop and take a look at just what is that dialogue that's happening for me in my head? Like how do I keep putting myself into this situation and then feel really really badly afterwards. So for me, I mean, getting into kind of this chronic kind of feeling is I have to do a lot of work, like the example I just gave you, around being less attached to definitely the outcome, but also the process in a way, because it's like if you can trust the process and you can trust what you're doing. And I think that's what my friend was saying with the the painting was like, hey, I trust that I know I'm good at doing X, Y, Z. If I trust that and I just let it be, that's okay. If there's other storylines that are coming up, that's always a cue to me to like turn towards it and go, okay, what do I feel is happening right now? And what I always look for, you know, the blessings or the gifts, like, well, what are you trying to provide me and what kind of benefit does this have? And is it beneficial to me right now in this circumstance? So I think it's all about developing that inner dialogue and tuning in to what's going on maybe beneath the surface that may not even be apparent and evident, like when you start kind of really feeling into the internal internal system, but just kind of feeling like what's coming up and what is that dialogue? For me, that has just really helped me kind of manage the chronic exhaustion and, and the apathy that I can sometimes feel if I get too drained. And That's where in stage two, it's really helpful to just start noticing these things when they're smaller ripples. You don't want to wait until they're massive like tsunamis that are going to take you out because that's when it becomes a really difficult uphill battle to kind of climb out of. So it's almost like a way to kind of self-regulate and self-manage yourself on a daily basis. So you're kind of dealing with things as they come up, not waiting until they become these massive issues. And then maybe start affecting other parts of your life. So in stage four, they talk about the burnout. So entering stage four is actually the burnout itself. So where some symptoms actually might become critical. So continuing as normal is often not possible in this state as it becomes increasingly difficult to cope. So when I'm talking about that tsunami, right, it's basically the tsunami has basically washed over you. So some of the common symptoms they say might include behavioral changes or chronic headaches or chronic chronic stomach issues or just chronic physical manifestations, feeling really empty inside, pessimistic outlook on work and life, uh, self-doubt, social isolation. So you can definitely see where, I mean, I've talked about this a lot and I, I believe this very, very strongly is that there is a strong connection between the mind and the body, right? You can have chronic physical symptoms that are also manifested in how we see ourselves and our mental health. So self-doubt, isolation, pessimism, right? You can start to see where burnout just basically changes you. You're not being you know, that best version of yourself or that highest self that you want to bring forward. It's in the work that I do in therapy, we would talk about it with parts. So it's like when you talk about the inner critic or the judge or 
any other part of you that isn't like that self-energy where you're feeling almost like in the first uh, stage, right, where you're excited, you're optimistic, you're compassionate, you're kind, you're not in that energy. Instead, you're you're almost kind of hijacked by uh, some of these other parts that might be changing our behaviors. And we'll start to notice that certain things just become more difficult. And we all, you know, I want to acknowledge that we all have our own unique limits to tolerance as well as, as it says in this article. And it is absolutely critical that if you are feeling things that are impacting your life in this way, to seek some kind of intervention from, I don't know if you have access to therapists or coaches of any kind or uh, resources at your organization, but when you have reached the stage of burnout, that is when you really need to kind of put up the flag and say, I need help because that is something that can really sustain itself and turn into what they call stage five, which is the habitual burnout. So once you've been in burnout for so, so long, this means that the symptoms of burnout are so embedded in your life that you are likely to experience a significant ongoing mental, physical, or emotional problem as opposed to occasionally experiencing stress, right? So for a lot of us, we might just occasionally go through this stress or this burnout phase, but for some, it's a perpetual feeling. And that's why in, you know, stage four, it's important to seek out clinical help because as we're developing neuropathways, so as things are happening to us and we're experiencing them and we're reacting to them, how we're reacting and the choices that we're making are actually developing those neural pathways that say, this is my way of being. And the more that we do that, we obviously make a stronger neural path, neural pathway. So you want to be able to make sure like this is a red flag. I need to really do something and draw a hard line in the sand and say, I need, you know, to start seeking help in whatever way um, and necessary that is. Because if you get to the spiritual burnout phase, which I've actually worked with people in um, this stage and they suffered a lot and they can have things like chronic physical fatigue, depression, chronic sadness was something that I definitely saw a lot of with people who had reached this habitual burnout phase. And, you know, the one thing I saw in common with those folks who were feeling burned out was that they hadn't really taken time to raise that flag and seek that help uh, for whatever reason and for whatever situation they were in. And they were almost in this pattern of behavior that they just felt like they couldn't get out of. And I saw a, a lot of this throughout the years in, in many different roles. And I always felt really empathetic because it felt like, and I know I've definitely been in you know situations where I've been feeling like something was habitual and it would never end. Um, and you know anybody who's done any kind of like trauma work or really deep work in therapy probably understands this, that that chronic sadness that you can feel that sometimes feels like you can't do anything for it to go away. And um, on that note, you know, one of the things that I personally learned having gone through many of these different phases of burnout is that the more, and I say this a lot on Twitter, but I found the more that I tried to resist something like push it away or say, oh no, I should feel better about myself. Oh no, why am I not, you know, feeling less sad and why can't I just not have this physical pain? The more I was trying to resist it, I know I noticed that the more it would manifest and the more it would persist. So the more we resist, it persists. So how now my mind shit, my mindset is personally shifted to 
saying, okay, the sooner that I can identify these things. And sometimes, you know, even as many years as I've gone through therapy and as much work as I try and do it myself, I can sometimes find myself slipping into that. It's about noticing it as soon as possible and saying, okay, what can I do now about it? What resources do I know that I have? What do I know works for me to be able to help support myself through this? But it's more of kind of accepting and surrendering to that process versus trying to resist it or fight it or push it away. The more I try and do that, I notice the more it it stays prevalent. And the more I've been trying to do this more quickly as far as like just accepting, just surrendering. Like if I have a bad day or I'm just not, I wake up just not feeling great, I just allow myself not to feel great. And that's okay. And I know that when I'm not feeling great, what can I do for myself and try and take care of myself and know that tomorrow's a new day and let's see what happens. But it's more of like, I've been able to shift out of that, the more I've just been able to kind of surrender to it and not try to fight it or dull it or push it away, just surrender to it and just let it be. And I don't, you know, I, I posted this recently on Twitter, but I, I I long wondered, like, where did we as a society think that we need to feel good all the time and we need to be happy all the time and we need to be, you know, creative and all those wonderful things in phase one, not everything is the honeymoon period, you know, relationships, work situations, everything, right? Like there's a honeymoon period and then, you know, things shift and, you know, things are constantly shifting. And again, I think going back to my first comment at the beginning of the podcast was, I think this is how it's always been, but I think why people are experiencing, especially now this heightened sense of burnout is because we've been forced to really lean into our worlds for the last couple of years. A lot has been going on and there hasn't been a lot of ways for us to kind of avoid or push away or hide. When you're in lockdown for months on end, right, you have a lot of time to sit and reflect. And I think we're just starting to really notice it more now than we ever have before. And now we have, you know, ways to identify it. So I think one of the reasons why this article was so great was that it really helped me kind of put this into context in these different phases because burnout to me doesn't just feel like one phase or one thing. It feels like a progression or a spectrum, just like anything else. So again, my tip to you would be identify burnout as soon as you can, even if it's in that honeymoon phase, right? Just stay aware and noticing and reflecting on what you see coming up, right? You're really energetic and creative and really happy. What might that also be doing to deplete things on the other side of that spectrum, right? So just making sure we we have that really clear understanding and know that we all go through the honeymoon phase and then eventually that kind of uh, tapers off. And when that does, what do you want to be left with? And how do you want to prepare yourself so that when things do get stressful, right, things happen in life, we can't control like a pandemic. I mean, that was just kind of forced on all of us. What can we do to take care of ourselves? So for me, it's about identifying what's coming up, noticing it, accepting it, and really surrendering to it. And then ask, getting curious with yourself and asking, what do I need right now? What am I feeling? What what I want to be maybe feeling instead? And what are some things I think I need to do to get there? So developing that level of curiosity is also extremely important to helping you uncover and identify, you know, 
what's what's coming up for you on a daily basis. Sometimes I think this process of learning and growing is really just a way of us rediscovering ourselves and maybe retraining ourselves in a new new way of being because for me it's all about how do I manage myself the best that I can so that I can bring my best and that I can live my full potential in everything that I do and also acknowledging and accepting that I don't control a lot of things that happen to me but what can I control and what choices can I make to have a different relationship or experience, whatever it is that is making you feel burned out. And I know that some things are really, really tough. I mean, I, I've been pretty transparent, right? Like I've suffered from a lot of mental illness in my lifetime around anxiety and panic attacks. So I totally get that it is really, really hard. And there are days when it is really, really hard for me. And the only, you know, advice or wisdom I can give from, you know, my own little experience is that developing these practices of really noticing and identifying and processing on a frequent basis is one of the few things that has allowed me to be really well-functioning with, you know, with these things that I know that come up for me. It's not about getting rid of it. It's not about changing it. It's just about, or not not about just letting it go or dismissing it, but it's about changing my relationship with it. It's not something that I struggle with or fight as much anymore. It's more of just a, hey there, I know that you're there now. The inner critic to me, I know it gets a really bad rap. You'll read a lot of things like conquer the inner critic, silence that thing. And it's like, for me, it's more of, I think it has a story to tell. It has something to say. What, What is its story? And what can I get? What kind of wisdom can I get out of that? Because just like in the podcast episode, you know, uh, inner critic dialogue I was having that I gave earlier is that there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in saying, I have this big part of me that just wants me to be successful and wants me to make sure I'm taking calculated risks and I'm not exposing myself and making myself so vulnerable that I can be open to annihilation of some some sort. So there's a lot of positives to that too. And there's a lot of gifts. I think it's just a matter of, I always have this image and I usually share this with my uh, coaching clients, but this image of a car and you are in the driver's seat, you as an adult, wherever, however old you are today, you're in the driver's seat and you have kids in the car. Let's say you got a big old minivan and there's like five of them back there. Like, do you let the child come up and take over and drive the car for you? I mean, absolutely not. So it's a mat, but the children also notice and have a lot of great gifts, right? Kids notice everything and they'll point things out and they have really neat, fun stories. Like there's lots of gifts that are, that are living there, but it's a matter of who's driving the car who do you want behind the wheel and how do you make those choices? So it's about identifying, oh, hey, Billy, you know, or that part of me, right? The inner critic is starting to try to take the wheel. What do you think I can do right now to help maybe ease its fear? Its fear is that you're going to be too vulnerable. What are some things I can do for myself so that I feel more confident and less vulnerable so that this, this part or that little kid doesn't want to come up, right? And take over the wheel. So it's, but I've also noticed like through my therapy is like 
as I've gone to that more and more, they don't have as strong a desire to want to take over anymore. So there's a lot less struggle with it, but that's where, you know, I think just developing that new relationship with yourself and developing ways that you can identify these things more quickly and then develop practices to make different choices so that you can live a more fulfilled, happy life and you don't see yourself getting to the edge of the cliff, you know, every other week and thinking, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? You have to make sure that you're just constantly going back to it and revisiting it. So I know I've talked about this in the past, but I think it applies really nicely to burnout because I feel like it's just a way to process your feelings so that you don't get to the point where you're feeling like you're at the end of the rope and you have you don't know where to turn and you have to raise that, you know, red flag. But visit yourself every day. Start developing a practice with that and see how things change or how your um, feelings around burnout changes and if you're feeling burned out at all. And anyway, so that's just something that for me has been very helpful and some some tips on how to kind of manage burnout because I think it's going to be there for a while and I, I don't foresee burnout really ever leaving us, right? There's stress all around us and things that are happening to us constantly. So we just need to learn how to live with it and how to live more a more fulfilled life with it. Well, that's it for the show today. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation on burnout. Again, if you like the show, uh, wherever you're listening to it, give it a follow. Give me some feedback and rate it. Let me know how you like the show. If you have any topics or ideas, or if you have anything to share around burnout, let me know. You can also reach out to me on my website at coachwithinsight.com. All of the info will be in the show notes of this episode. And I appreciate you guys. Stay curious just a little bit longer.